And good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. By now, you've heard plenty of conversation about President Biden's decision to cancel upwards of $20,000 of federal student loans for millions of people, though not everyone qualifies. Um, what I mean, what are, what's the likelihood that this is going to uh, solve uh, problems? I mean, I th- the first thing I wondered when I first heard that this was going to happen, I, I said to myself, um, does he even have the authority, uh, legal authority or even or moral authority, to, quote, forgive debts? Uh, is the president actually the guardian of the loans or something? Well, join me right now to talk about the loans and really the problems that we've seen develop in the world of higher education over a generation now, is Richard Vetter. Dr. Vetter is a distinguished professor of economics emeritus at Ohio University. He's been writing on issues of higher education for more than 60 years and is the author of Restoring the Promise, Higher Education in America. You can find his writings at the Independent Institute. Rich, good to have you back here. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad to be with you, Al. Uh, good, good, Good hearing your voice again. I guess let me ask that question. That first thing that occurred to me when I heard that this was going to happen: Does the president of the United States have the authority, legally or morally, to forgive debt? You know, I laughed when you said that. I, I shouldn't have, because <laughs> when I I wrote seven words down, beginning with the letter I, that I thought characterized this program. The first word was illegal, which you immediately brought up. And the second word I wrote down was immoral, (laughs) which was the other thing you mentioned. (laughs) Then, you know, if you want, I'll give you the other. Sure, go while you're at it. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, while we're having having fun, let's go all the way. Uh, Inflationary, Mm -hmm. number three. Uh, It's it's clearly uh, uh, inflationary and it's effect, I think. Uh, Fourth, it's inequitable. Uh, Fifth, it's irresponsible. Um, Sixth, uh, it's irrational. Uh, And I'm thinking now politically even for the Democrats. Mm -hmm. And seventh, and this is a little harsh, I guess, it's idiotic. Uh, On any grounds that I can think of, I've racked my brains trying to find reasons why to do this, and there is an explanation, and that is that there are a lot of borrowers out there who will be told they're relieved of this debt, and I guess it's assumed that they will be very appreciative to President Biden, that they will run out in the next election and vote for the Democratic candidate uh, for whatever office they're voting for, and this will help maintain uh, the possibility of the Biden keeping some control over Congress. Mm-hmm. I suppose mm-hmm. that is the closest. I, I suppose that's the thinking that's going. There has to be some thinking going on there. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I, I I don't even buy into that. But uh, so this thing is bad any way you look at it. In my opinion, that's the way it strikes uh, me too. I, <clears throat> who? <clears throat> Who actually is the like? Where does the legal authority reside to forgive these well, debts? I mean, is it Congress? Well, is it our banks? Who, who does it? 
Yep. No, I'm not a lawyer. There is. I, I've been. Uh, I've gotten to read a little bit of, of the law behind this. I think that they're, that they're, the best thing they have to hang on is some sort of emergency power of, uh, of provisions that came in relating to the pandemic. Yeah. That in an emergency, the president can, uh, you know, bypass normal authority in some instances. I think even that is of some question, sure. probably a great deal of question, but I think they're going to probably hang on some sort of, this is an emergency and we need to deal with it. Uh, well, it's an emergency. First of all, the pandemic began two and a half years ago or right. more. Uh, it's uh, mostly passed. If this is a, an emergency, when are we not in an emergency of right. some sort or right. other? Right. And that would be giving too much prep power to the president. I think the first of all, there was a public law, 111-152. It's an Obama-era law, which was the law that established the current version of the federal student loan program. It was passed by the House of Representatives. It was passed by the Senate. It was signed into law by Barack Obama, but it does, did not give the president – there's no explicit authority in that law for the president to change the conditions of the law, mm. the, the terms of the law, whenever he wants. That's not in the law. That, it's just simply not there. Yeah. The president is – Biden is creating it. I, like, I call it a fatwa to use a – uh, Islamic term, uh, you know, uh, yeah. some Ayatollah, the Ayatollah Biden uh, created uh, a new law out of the blue, or like Louis the Fourteenth in the eighteenth, seventeenth, eighteenth century. Yeah, uh, I just don't think it's part of the American tradition for the president of the United States to make up laws. Yeah, to step in like this. It does. It strikes me the same way. Very strange. I know there are young men out there uh, who've chosen not to attend uh, a traditional university or to pursue a four-year undergraduate degree. And, you know, they have neither the money or perhaps the interest or even the confidence um, that a degree would necessarily help them in the job market. Now they're being told that maybe they should have gone to school anyways, because even if it meant accumulating debt, uh, they could have gotten off, you know, without paying that uh, debt. Uh, doesn't it? It's got to create resentment on the part of certain uh, groups in society here. They're going to feel yeah, cheated. And, yeah, that, I, I agree. And, and that's why I say in a way it's kind of uh, idiotic or irrational. I think politically to the Democratic Party, yeah. because they always have argued that we are for the little guy. Right. We're the person who is out there is going to help the little guy, the little gal, who is uh, not wealthy, who's low income, whose uh, opportunities for advancement are limited, and who often, therefore, in fact, usually, therefore, do not get college degrees, often do not even attempt to get college degrees. These are people who are quite happy, or are quite content, uh, going out and getting a job after high school. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they go do a little trade school of some sort. Sure, they may go to, to a truck driving academy to learn how to be 
uh, a truck, long-distance truck driver sure. or learn how to be a coder. There are a lot of actually good trade school-type opportunities out there that are not traditional four-year colleges. But these are people who, um, uh, the, the, a large percentage of the population, over half the population, who don't have college degrees, don't have anywhere near college degrees, don't have college debt. Someone said, well, there are 43 million people with college debt. Well, there are 330 million Americans. There are 290 million Americans without college debt. <laughs> right. Right. So I never thought of that one myself till just now. I like that one. <laughs> For every every person who has college debt in the United States, there are seven people who do not. Yeah. Now, many of them are children and so forth. Uh, but the point is, uh, this is a, a targeted for a very narrow segment of the population, and it is it's certainly irresponsible. In addition, Al, you know, we the, the president has deferred interest payments on these loans since March 2020. And I, in fairness, it started with Trump. I sure. mean, Trump for the first few months uh, deferred interest, but we were really in the the, the darkest moment of the pandemic in March of 2020. Absolutely. Yeah, I remember it well. We were, sure. we were throwing people out of work like crazy. Millions of the unemployment rate went up dramatically. We were having all sorts of things happen. And in, in that sort of crisis environment, Trump and, and others, uh, I think it was almost, un- I, I, I suspect it was almost unanimously agreed, that we well we we can defer uh, interest payments on this debt right now because people are having trouble even keeping jobs. So for a few months, it may have made sense. Maybe for four or five or six months, we have gone now two and a half years more than it's two and a half years at the end of this week since we're deferring interest payments on that debt. People said you don't have to pay. The debt. You don't have to worry about the principal. You don't have. To, we're not going to charge you any interest. So far, that has cost the government two hundred million, two hundred billion dollars in revenue. Mm. And, uh, and Obama or Obama, uh, Biden says, "Okay, we'll continue it for another four months." And he claims this will be the last of that, and then we'll stop that. But you know. And here we have what now three and a half percent unemployment. Getting a job is not the easiest thing in the world right now. Uh, there's shortages of workers, yeah. and you can't argue that people couldn't be paying on this debt. So already we have this rather dubious uh, deferral uh, moratorium on interest payments that are going to continue. That's going to add several tens of billion more to the debt. Then, of course, the big thing is the the ten thousand uh, dollar uh, forgiveness. But for most students, it'll be a twenty. More, most borrowers, it'll be a twenty thousand, because about two thirds of borrowers are had 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 Pell grants at one time. Mm-hmm. So they'll get twenty thousand dollars knocked off their debt. This is going to cost several hundred billion dollars. Will you say, oh, that's no big deal? Who's going to pay for it though? Who's right. going to pay for it? Right. That's money that would be coming into the Treasury that isn't coming in the Treasury. So the deficit's going to be bigger. We're in a nation, you know, we, we're we running out. Our Social Security system's going broke. Our, our uh, uh, Medicare 
program is in danger financially. We can't even pay our bills in a prosperous time like we're in. We're running trillion-dollar deficits. We're becoming a laughing stock to the world. We're becoming like oh, Argentina or Greece, and yeah. this we're going to lose our status as the world's leading currency. As you know, it's as good as gold. A dollar, a dollar is as good as gold. Yeah. All this long-earned reputation that we have is going by the way. Hold it there, if you would, Rich. We'll come back and continue the conversation. My guest, Dr. Richard Vetter author of Restoring the Promise, Higher Education in America. The occasion for our discussion is uh, President Biden's uh, promise to forgive uh, student loans. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. With me, Dr. Richard Vetter. We're taking a look at uh, the debate over President Biden's uh, cancellation uh, of student loans, student debt. And one of the things I, I wanted to get to, uh, Rich, is, is this idea of um, inflated tuition. I mean, Larry Summers, former Treasury Secretary, has argued that this is likely uh, to actually have an impact on tuition in the future, that uh, what when... when uh, Debts are forgiven like this. It allows universities to uh, not so much cut tuition, but actually increase tuition because they expect students will have, again, access to easy cash. Is that likely to happen? Oh, absolutely. Larry Summers is right. He's uh, another uh, one of the uh, MAMA uh, leaders, uh, Democratic Party Jason Furman, who was chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors under Obama, said much the same thing. Uh, of course, that's going to be the effect, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it is uh, definitely going to entice colleges to raise their fees. Uh, and there's nothing new under the sun here, uh, Al. In 1987, which is what, 35 years 35, ago? 35, yeah. Yeah, the then-Secretary of Education, Bill Bennett, wrote an op-ed in the the New York Times in which he said, you know, all this massive student loans that we're giving is just incentivizing the colleges to raise their fees. And the big gainers in this aren't the students. They're the colleges because they see the kids – can borrow the money and the kids aren't, the 18-year-old kids aren't thinking much about paying off debts and everything. They've never borrowed money in their lives. So they go out, they take out these student loans, and the colleges, instead of increasing their fees maybe 2 or 3% of the inflation rate, instead increase them 6 or 7 or 8%. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened for 40 years. Yeah. Uh, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. And uh, it is exactly why fees, uh, my guess is, in the absence of the student loan program, to, the average tuition fee in the United States today would be about half of what it actually is. Wow. Uh, so the school that has a $40,000 fee would have a $20,000 fee. The state university with a $12,000 fee would have a $6,000 fee, etc. That's just a guess. But, but 
based on the evidence. And the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, which is no right-wing conservative organization, I can assure you, <laughs> uh, uh, has come up with very similar conclusions. They've done a lot of research on it. They find every time tuition fees, uh, uh, student loan payments to a, uh, to a student go up by a dollar, every time a student gets a dollar more in payments, the, uh, the tuition fees usually go up somewhere between 60, 65 cents. Uh, in other words, of that dollar, more of it actually goes to the university communities. And, and then, uh, to, to make matters worse, what are the universities using these extra dollars for? Well, they're using them to hire more and more administrators. Right. Uh, sometimes they're using them to support their athletic programs. I'll grant you that. Uh, sometimes they're doing a lot of things, but they're not improving the quality of higher education. I've been teaching for 57 years. I, I, I tell people, I said, you can read about me in the New Testament. That's a little <laughs> bit of That's a little bit of a new exaggeration, but not too much. I've been around a while, around the block a few times, and uh, I, I know a bit about teaching. And uh, the kids today uh, are not le- learning more than they did 40 or 50 or 60 years ago. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of factors at work, and loans are only a small part right. of it. We right. have great, great inflation. We're not at na- asking enough of our students. That's a, a, even a broader national problem, I think, on a whole variety of levels. We mm-hmm. just aren't working hard enough as people. But, 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 but part of that is what I just said. The, the student loan program has not uh, provided greater access to uh, low-income Americans. In fact, Al, it's kind of interesting. There is a smaller percentage of recent graduates today are from the bottom quarter of the income distribution than in the year 1970. Really? Before these programs really got going. These programs haven't helped the poor, really, on balance. Uh, They've helped university administrators. They've helped professors like me get lower teaching loads. Uh, they've created a lot of diversity, equity, and inclusion coordinators right. that uh, uh, I don't think are doing much for society of, of a positive nature, uh, and et cetera, et cetera. So uh, yeah. I guess I've said enough about that. Well, it is, I mean, uh, the the rise in tuition is has far outstripped uh, the... Yeah. The general rising of uh, other uh, goods and services, right? I mean, isn't the the rate of increase for college tuition significantly higher than the rate of increase in other goods and services? Sure, I mean bread, yeah, or airline tickets, or you know, you pick what you want. Uh, when I started teaching in my university, in the university where I'm sitting right now, Ohio University, typical state university, uh, very, very typical, the tuition was $450 a year. Hmm. Now, there's been a lot of inflation since then, generalized inflation. The Federal Reserve has printed too much money, and I could go into the reasons for that, etc. But even correcting for that, but the tuition 
in today's dollars would have been maybe three to four thousand. My university tuition, I don't know what it is, twelve thirteen thousand. Yeah. Know, triple. Yeah. And that's by and large what the data show. Fees wow. have generally tripled, correcting for inflation. And so that fees are going up faster than people's incomes. So back in the old days, way back in the nineteen fifties and sixties and even in the seventies, people could generally afford to go to college. It was a bit of a stretch. It was an expense. It wasn't easy, right. but they could go to school. Today, it's getting harder to, because the cost of going to school has risen faster than people's incomes have yeah. risen. Yeah. Uh, and so it actually takes a larger percentage of a year's income to pay a tuition fee today than it did in 1970, say. So uh, it's it's kind of sad, really. Yeah, it is, and it's it's bound to create uh, class conflict. Uh, especially that's what I'm concerned about with this uh, forgiveness of student loans. I just think it's it gives us one more uh, area of social irritation and cause for resentment among people who should be um, you know working to build a nation rather than. Uh, fighting for their own uh, particular class or group. Yeah, whatever happened to E Pluribus Unum, Yeah, uh, yeah. out of many, one, where people of diverse backgrounds and uh, religions and uh, uh, colors and locations and uh, ethnic backgrounds somehow meld together and become a cohesive nation. Yeah. And we've lost that, and the, the student loan problem is only a small part of the problem. Right, right. right. But it's, it is a little bit of the problem. Yeah. L- let me ask, I, I read that the U.S. Board of Regents uh, at the University of California system has, has decided to drop the required SAT or ACT admissions tests in spite of a faculty uh, commission recommendation to continue it. Um, what is... Why would that be? I mean, University of California is supposed to have a pretty darn good uh, university system there. Uh, what do they think they're achieving? You know, Al, yeah, this, you know, where I'm sitting right now, it's not even five o'clock in the afternoon, but you're driving me to want to drink, Al. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, Sorry there. It's a, little, it's, a, it's, a little, it's a little early. <laughs> no, no, your point is well taken. Uh, I absolutely, when I read that about UC Regents doing that, I was astounded. I, I wasn't totally astounded because it, they've done a lot of crazy things over the years. But universities are about achievement, and the University of California is about excellence, about scholarly excellence. Right. It's about people. What people, of the many who apply there, which one are most likely to succeed academically? And the SAT score, it's not perfect. There, the people do high, well on the SAT and then do poorly in college sure. and vice versa. Yep. But on the whole, it is a be- the only thing that's a better predictor is uh, high school grades and records. And the UC is very, you know, the only, it used to be, I don't know if the rule still is, they take the top 10, 12% of the class, you know. Uh, uh, are eligible to be in the university based on grades. So they, they, why they're doing this is beyond me. Well, it, of course, the reason is is they want to get 
a, a racial, ethnic um, uh, uh, mix that they think is optimal or better. And in other words, which, by the way, implies that some people are better than other people based on the color of their skin yeah. or on their ethnicity or something, which is exactly against the American uh, standard of that. Uh, in America, you get ahead by working hard, succeeding, and and also is going to, I think, is going to hurt the University of California uh, qualitatively. And, of course, other schools are following it, so it may hurt all American universities. And, you know, America, we have the best universities in the world, everyone says. Uh, all the world rankings show, you know, we dominate the world in, in that. Uh, one of the rankings, uh, Forbes, which I used to run, has Berkeley the number one school in the United States now. Wow. And in, in most there, it's in the top 20, 25. You know, it's, it's very high. This is, is it's a scandal. This is a shame. This is horrible. Well, if our universities uh, rank so highly, then wh- how do our students rank internationally? Well, that, that's a good question. We know at the K through 12 level, where we have very good standardized tests, uh, uh, there's a program in, it's called PISA, I forgot, program in some sort of student assessment, I think it is, that look at kids in math and in science and in reading at the age of 15. And American students generally do pretty poorly on average. Where uh, our average scores are below those, of course, almost all the big Asian countries, Japan, China, South Korea, but also below not only Britain and Germany, important European countries, a lot of little countries that you wouldn't think of being particularly uh, great, like uh, Estonia or Finland. Hmm, And um, we rank below those. At the college level, we don't have as good of a you know way of measuring this because okay. we don't have standardized tests we should have but we don't uh my guess is it holds at the college level as well but i i can't prove it you can't demonstrate that right now yeah no okay yeah, yeah. um we only got about 60 seconds left here i it, it, you mentioned bigger issues that are at work here is it that the united states no longer sees itself as a nation that is exceptional and has to keep working to demonstrate that exceptionalness. Al, uh, you and I think a great minds think alike. <laughs> I had a column in the wall street journal a week ago. The headline was, can the U S become exceptional again? Yeah. Meaning we have lost a lot of our exceptionalism and what can we do to gain it back? That's the, the issue. Yeah. And, And uh, I think that is a big national problem. Well, I'll have to have you back. We can talk about it, huh? Yeah, I'd love to. (laughs) Rich, thanks so much. Great talking with you again. Dr. Richard Vetter, Restoring the Promise, Higher Education in America. Our discussion, of course, uh, based on the recent news that President Biden is forgiving student debt. Uh, We'll return to this question There are other moral issues involved with it as well.